Welcome to Sex with Simmery. Frank, occasionally explicit edutainment on the most important topic of all. Sex with Timory is not intended for children and is not safe for work unless your boss is particularly awesome. See more at sexwithtimory.com. Welcome to Sex with Timory. This is Dr. Timory, and I am so stoked to introduce you to photographer Ryan Sabian. Welcome. Hi, how's it going? Beautiful over here. So, um, Ryan, you uh, have been blowing up as a photographer lately. And one of the major things that uh, that I stumbled upon was your Men Ups work. Can you tell people a little bit about this project? Uh, yeah, it was um, it was kind of a long process because uh, gender issues have kind of always interested me and and how the system has always been set up to represent the sexes in these very rigid ways. And um, it was right around the time I, w- I was taking a, um, a feminist literature course, uh, probably around my sophomore year. And uh, it really just clicked with me, um, other things I was reading. And uh, all of a sudden it just made sense. And I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And it was going to be men as as pinups. So what is the what is the commentary that you or is it just up to the viewer? Um, it's mostly I, I would just like it to be where people look at it and see uh, what they would consider visually uh, in dress or perhaps uh, in action these these typically masculine what society would call masculine men, um, but in these very feminine poses. And I, I had seen a wide range of responses from it, and it was actually what I had hoped for, just people kind of reacting to it and and telling me that it didn't seem right or it was funny. And, and that's something that I was going for because it, I would like them to expand upon those feelings and why they think it's funny or why they think it's weird just to get to that idea that, you know, just because a man would pose like that doesn't necessarily make them feminine because that pose isn't feminine. It was just suggested to be feminine, I guess. I'm very interested in hearing like what sort of responses you've gotten, especially in the ones that would say that um, it's not right, because that's very confusing to me. Like I don't understand. Is it because it just it seems like it must be related to <clears throat> homosexuality or something that playing with gender intrinsically has something like that, and that's their objection to it? Well, it's it's very interesting. I mean, it seems like the the response has been pretty positive, and a lot of people have been really receptive and understanding as to what I'm saying. But there are definitely some people who I would say might associate it with with homosexuality. And I know for a fact that I had a, an interview with Advocate and I was actually really surprised by the response I was getting on there hmm. um, because a lot of gay men were reading it as being about homosexuality and me saying something about or me representing stereotypically feminine gay men. And uh, they didn't like it at all. And I thought that that was very interesting because it seemed like they were taking that stance because they have some sort of fear of being grouped into stereotypical feminine gay man. And so there were a lot of people that didn't like it. 
That's really interesting. That's a surprising reaction I did not expect because for me, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was cute. Like just like on a, you know, on the face, just, it was very like bright colors and very beautiful and right. Absolutely. Like, like those things were just very visually appealing. And then I also just thought it was brilliant. And it reminded me of, um, something that I came across, uh, you know, around a similar time of the uh, the superheroes drawn in the poses that um, female comic oh, characters right, right. Are, are drawn in, and it was very it was a very similar sort of commentary on mm-hmm. like the depiction of uh, men and women in images. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was it was very clever. Have Have you um, found any other um, people who are making similar sort of comments right now? Hmm. There was. Um... Oh, her name is escaping me right now. We can plug it in later. It's fine. Molly Landreth. She works with um, the gay community mostly, but uh, a lot of that idea of like people who who gender fuck basically society, and you can't really tell whether they're a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she takes a lot of photographs of 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 people that would fit into that category and couples and. And the way that she does it just seems very honest and and very um, very beautiful. The way that she does it, and um, it's not necessarily how how I work. I'm very much a, a studio photographer, and I think that she, you know, sets up some of the space a little bit. But for the most part, it's very real. So, um, and I like that aspect a lot, even though it doesn't necessarily look or feel the, the way that mine do. I think. So why is gender so interesting to you? It's very hard to say. It's just, I, I mean, I remember being really young and and just wondering why, uh, specifically, I, I remember jewelry, thinking of jewelry and jewelry that my mother would wear and just noticing that only women would wear it. And it was just, struck me as odd that that was a rule because when it comes down to it, it's like, how, how does a piece of fabric or, or a piece of jewelry or makeup or a color define a sex? Because it really doesn't. And it's but somehow only women are supposed to wear dresses and men are supposed to wear pants and blue and women are supposed to wear pink and, so it's just always really interested me that the these things that seemingly make no difference at all make a huge difference in reality. And these these things are clearly like cultural constructions because all those things you listed, if you look at different time periods in different locations, there were definitely cultures where men did wear dresses and men right, did yeah. wear jewelry and men did wear different sort of cosmetic products. It's just a total construction of where you are at the time and and when metrosexuality was like a thing and it was like this whole like what do you mean men wearing eyeliner what are you talking about that's so silly and then it was like not that long ago men totally wore wigs and and and, you know the the idea of everybody wearing pants is still definitely an interesting thing and and the idea that women had to fight for the possibility to wear pants like right yeah it's well it's it's definitely, I mean, looking just different time periods, different regions and everything. And I think for the most part, I, I try to speak for what I see in America because 
I think it's it's different from region to region, but you know, like you said, all throughout history and everything. I mean, men used to wear wigs and makeup and pantyhose, and that was okay. But you know, you do that now, and people look at you weird. And and it's all it's all um, still totally open to interpretation. And I think that things are definitely. <laughs> Um, in a, in a particularly dragalicious moment, like for us, um, like if you compare, um, just pop stars, the way that they look now versus they looked before Gaga became really huge, Uh like, um, the evolution of Nicki Minaj's appearance and Katy Perry and all of them and, and and Beyonce's gotten especially dragalicious in, in the last couple of years. I know, um, yeah. Since Destiny's Child. So, and, and Gaga didn't invent these things. I mean, they were existing for, for a great deal of time. And, and in my opinion, like, a lot of this was, you know, this is Culture Club, this is Lee Bowery, this is all of this stuff just yeah, making absolutely. it really huge now. Do you think that, that all of that, what I'm calling dragalicious, is influencing people's gender stuff at all? Is that is that making androgyny? I don't, I don't know. I'm not even sure what I'm asking. What, what do you think? I, <laughs> I think about things like that sometimes, and I, I wonder because I mean, it does seem that things have um, have become a lot more theatrical, mm-hmm. and it's it's all about these over the top appearances and putting on a show, and and I think that you know, like you said, like you know, Lady Gaga didn't invent it, and it, for some reason, you know, she just stuck, and she's made it all right to be to seem slightly insane, I guess, but. Just to like to be fear, fearless and do these things and, you know, have people look at you, but also kind of question like why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to say because I don't know. On one hand, I feel like, you know, still women are kind of just getting the shaft because they are, you know, they're doing a lot of things for themselves and they're making the money and all of this. But there's still like so much hypersexuality that that women have to portray in order to. I guess to to do something like Katy Perry or Nicki Minaj or or Lady Gaga, there's a lot of like sexuality um, that goes into that, and I think that that's part of the image. And I question I question whether if if a guy were to do that now, like how how much of a similar reception they would get. Um, so I mean, someone that comes to mind who's who's not even that far out as like Lady Gaga, but like Adam Lambert, hmm. and you know, I mean, he was doing a lot of that like makeup and. A lot of a lot of stuff like that. So, but I feel like he kind of just like went away. So, but I would be interested to see how how a man would survive like that within the the industry. That's true. I mean, there's um, not really anybody that's coming to my mind right offhand. I just listed four or five like female pop stars that are solo acts, and they're. Their representation is so heavily, as you said, theatrical and also very much steeped in their sexuality. And I'm not really able to think of any male pop stars right now yeah. that, that have that same sort of um, sort of image. It's, it's certainly not in like American English pop music. I mean, I'm sure that worldwide there are definitely some examples, but like the music comes to mind for me for for male representations. I'm thinking of like a lot of rock music, a lot of hipster music a lot of like r&b and there are very limited um representations that men can fall into specific depictions that are considered like acceptable masculinity well i think that um i've seen some 
that that have uh, come out of Japan mm, okay. specifically, um, which I thought was weird because I, I, I mean they're becoming popular in America amongst certain youth, um, but uh, like there's a band called Duran Gray. And they're all about makeup. And in fact, at one point, I don't think he does it anymore, but he he was dressed completely like in a dress and very Lolita-esque. Hmm. And, um, but they still, they have like the heavy makeup and this giant hair and everything. And that seems to be something that is kind of starting to be embraced. Um, so I find that kind of interesting, but I'm kind of wondering like, how far that could go before someone would consider it too off-putting, I guess. Hmm. The the examples that come to mind for me of um, men that, that do anything even close to that, they tend to be gay. Like I'm thinking Kazaki, the, um, the four guys that are like amazing athletes. I don't know if you've seen them, but they, they have these incredible dance performances along with their singing. Um, they are like live as hell. They're like cats. They just like, absolutely yeah. throw their legs up in the air. But they get to dress completely fabulous. And it's like, <laughs> you know, um, deep, I mean, on one hand, it's like awesome. If you're gay, then you get to, to wear awesomeness. But like at the same time, like, do we, I mean, what happened to glam rock also? I mean, for this is totally been done. Like, where did it go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, where, where did the acceptability of that go? Yeah, I, I, that's definitely a good question because it's, it's not like within the history there haven't been these moments where it's been acceptable or just like looked at as just being there and not being that big of a deal. Um, but, you know, I, on one hand, like, you know, I, I've, uh, me and my friend, we talk, we've had many conversations about how while women aren't really lucky and a lot of stuff they get, like the period, they have to have the babies and they have menopause, but they have a lot of clothing options where I feel like men, it's pretty basic. It's like pants, shirt, possibly jacket, sneakers. That's true. Um, but I think on the other hand, you know, it's like, well, maybe necessarily women don't want to wear those, but either way, you know, I feel like women should be allowed to wear pants and dress however they want. And men should have that same right you know like and it's I, and it's not just appearance i think it's expression in a variety of ways that as you know feminism forms um you know more inroads for women to go into expressing their aggressiveness and experiencing other traits that had been considered masculine that the same thing didn't happen necessarily for men and that men don't necessarily have as many options for self-expression in terms of emotions like yeah um, that are mm -hmm. acceptable culturally so, um, yeah, um, the, the limitations on, on men are hopefully getting broken down somewhat as we examine these things, but beyond gender, um, your, your work has other social commentaries too. Do you, what other, what other sexuality things are important and interesting to you? Well, I more so recently I've, I've been working a lot more on kind of like my personal, um, state, I guess, my, my personal emotional state. And um, it started with this project where I, I captured two men painted and body paint and, and just had them kind of like caress one another and make out and stuff like that and captured it. And and it it's all about the idea of uh, 
just in general how how someone can change you or how your relationships with people like will just change who you are um because near the end of it like they initially they were each a solid color and then at the end they just like smeared with each other's color hmm. and i really enjoyed that idea and it, it, I've been trying to be a little more experimental and just playing around like both in Photoshop, but also in, um, on set. Um, so now I've kind of turned the camera on myself in that same vein and just trying to capture the, these kind of emotions and, and different moments because I, I just feel like the images that I've created so far, it just seems like there's an emotion there and it, you can kind of read it just through an eye and uh, I really enjoy that. So that's a, that's a direction I've been going in recently. So um, I'm interested in this, you know, where you smear the colors and the idea behind that. So, like, where do those where do those people go from there? Are they always like, if they were red and blue, do they are are they always purple after that, or do they get more of their own blue back later? Like, what yeah. what did that what does that mean to you? Where where do they exist outside of that moment? It's very true. And it, I think as I explore it, like I'm kind of discovering even more um, aspects of it because I, in a sense, the first two that I did um, of just myself, just trying to capture um, myself in this makeup, um, it's, it's just not only exploring the medium, I was also working in a large format camera, but um, I wanted to see if I could capture this emotion in my face or in my eyes that that I felt defined me, I guess. And um, after I was done editing those, it, it kind of felt very alien to me that I had created this race of of aliens that just uh, kind of were kind of almost tribal, mm -hmm. I guess, because uh, it kind of feels a little tribal. I've so, but I think that in my mind, the way that it works is that those changes are permanent. And with mine specifically, I have on like this pink makeup, but I have this, this smear of this greenish, greenish yellow color. And uh, that's just supposed to represent kind of like a scarring or, you know, that, that piece that was left behind. Um, but you don't really get to see what left that. Mm. Um, so... To me, it is definitely something that that is always going to be there, I guess, because it, it, there are certain moments or certain people, um, whether they're lovers or just friends or family members that are going to define the way you react to, to other events and other people in your future. It's a really beautiful way to put it. And I really I, I like the emotions that, that that evokes in me. It's also reminding me of and this is totally uh, like a very different vein. When I was a high schooler in a Catholic high school, um, we didn't really have like sex ed in, in a really appreciable way. Um, we had like one biology teacher who did her best to make it work. But um, there was a professional basketball player who was like 35, 36, something like that. And like very um, outspoken about his virginity. And okay. he, yeah, and he went around <laughs> to schools and he talked to uh, young people about not having sex. And, you know, at the time I was like 15, 16, old enough to see that there was something sort of pathological about him in the way that he was doing it. And I now realize in retrospect that there's, I don't know, 
there's a whole lot that could have been going on there. But right. um, he made this analogy where you take um, masking tape or you, you just take tape and you put it on your arm and you stick it to your arm. And then when you rip it up, like it doesn't have as much stickiness anymore. And his point was, if you make that sort of connection with a person, then when you break up, you never have as much to give anyone else. And I always thought that that was a really weird sort of way to put it because like, I like the idea that people have a lasting impact on you, but he was coming at it from this like moralistic judgment that like, you know, you really only have so much love to give, which I thought was silly. (laughs) And yeah, I, I I mean, I think that's a pretty, pretty decent way to uh, kind of explain that. I mean, while I don't agree that, you know, if you want to be abstinent, then, more power to you but by all means um, i don't agree in just like you know teaching you know abstinence is the only way um but i i i wouldn't necessarily say that i feel that i i think maybe that the tape analogy would work for me if it were more like you feel like the tape Mm -hmm. so you would feel like after a while there's only so much that you can give or or so much that you can take you know, mm-hmm. emotionally, I guess. But I think that we're more resilient than that. I feel like that's the difference is that we're not. Oh, tape. yeah. Yeah, definitely. If tape could regenerate, then maybe. <laughs> maybe if we think about it rather than being that individual piece of tape, but we think about it as like a whole roll and like that part of you. Yeah. Maybe that part of you, you gave up and, and will always have their little hair molecules stuck to you, <laughs> but you just roll out the tape a little bit more. Cause there's, there's always another day sort of like, da, da, da. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of something that I'm, I'm working towards because I, I've, I mean, I've had these moments where it's just like, you know, I want to give up on, I mean, I'm gay, so it's like I want to give up on men. I'm like, it's just like, when is just going to be normal? When am I going to meet someone normal who just like wants to be with me and that's it? But I, I definitely agree. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm done, and I don't feel like I'm, you know, going to give up and just wither away. But <laughs> well, another, um, another analogy that someone has has given me in terms of these sort of things and what relationships do is like if you take like a twenty dollar bill. And you can crumple that $20 bill up. You can, like, hit it real hard with your finger and flick it. And you can, like, get it wet. And you can, like, put it through a washing machine. And you can do all sorts of stuff to it. But just because those things happen doesn't mean it's not still spendable. Doesn't mean it's not still valuable. Doesn't Absolutely, mean yeah. that it reduces its its actual intrinsic goodness. So I think that that's a better way to describe people, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that that humans are, are pretty resilient and the aspect of of love and sharing yourself or being shared or sharing share 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 <laughs> or sharing yourself or or having someone share themselves with you is it it's very beautiful and it's very kind of unexplainable almost that that we we feel the need for such things but in the same vein that it's something that you know once once you're a part of it and you feel it you inexplicably know why you why you search for it and why you want mm. it so i mean that's just something that i'm exploring and another part of it is is i feel like as i've gotten older i've kind of become detached from my emotion or at least displaying my emotion to other people so i mean that's another part of 
like my relationships with people and what I show them and just trying to convey it through, through my, my photography, since I don't seem to be doing it in real life. How, how personal do you feel like you feel comfortable getting in your art? Like how much of yourself is really like laid bare for people to see? Um, I feel like in general, you know, if I, if I do something, I put all of myself into it and especially with the most recent project and just been trying to explore it and trying to just really push myself, um, as an artist and on this emotional level too, just like trying to put myself out there and, um, the next series of images that I'm working on in this, in the same style is, um, <laughs> I'm trying to capture myself, um, crying hmm. and, um, it's been a little difficult. I haven't, um, I have a few images that more or less seem like maybe like a prequel or post crying. Um, but, uh, it's been pretty difficult. I mean, just in general, I feel like it's kind of like hard for me to like cry sometimes, but then also just like being alone in the studio and trying to like capture these images while trying to cry, um, is a very odd experience. So that's something that I've been trying to work on. Just like trying to put the, this intense, you know, that you can tell what the emotion is and that's what it is. And it's me. And it's, so it's very personal. So, so I want to ask a little bit of logistical questions. Like, so that one raises the, the first question for me, which is like, so when you, when you were doing the yourself crying portraits, do you wait until like the emotion strikes and then try to capture it? Or are you just sitting there and you're like, all right, I'm going to think about something <laughs> that evokes this emotion and then take a picture of it. Um, good question. Um, it's, I thought about trying, you know, when the emotion strikes me. Um, but like I said, I'm very studio oriented and I like that look and I like that feel. And also the idea of just like being alone in this space and just like being able to just completely let go and just go at it. It definitely, it has to be planned for me. And I feel like that's something in general that is striking in my photography because it's always... <laughs> It's always a fucking production. It's like, oh, it's got to be this way. I got to get this and this and this time. And so I knew that it had to be regimented and it had to be there. And so and I think that's probably what's been a little difficult is I'm trying to to bring up certain ideas or, or certain things to make myself cry. And uh, so it's been a little difficult in that sense, I think. And that and that's probably why it has been as difficult as it has been. So other logistical things, like when you're when you're shooting, I'm just interested in, and I think a lot of people are curious about the process, um, like just the nuts and bolts of how you do shoots and like how do you cast people and and how do you direct them and and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, I think that I'm a very visual thinker, and initially when I started art, I thought I was going to do drawing, and I've always drawn and. Up until that point, I I had played around in photography, and um, but I, I definitely thought that drawing was going to be my thing. But part of part of drawing for me was I felt like everything I ever drew never completely looked like what I saw in my head, hmm. and so that's something that photography really gave me was 
the visual that I had in my head must have been just like so 3D and so reality, I guess, mm-hmm. that capturing real people was was the only way to go about uh, conveying what was in my head. And um, so when it comes to projects and things like that, I um, specifically like with the men ups, I, I went through and I created like a character for each picture, what they were going to be. And, and from there I was just thinking of people that I knew, or maybe even from the beginning, I knew exactly who I wanted to play that. That That's how that process went. I just get these, these visuals or these snapshots of, of people or ideas and, uh, fit them in accordingly and hopefully they want to work with me. So it, it tends to be people that you um, already know. You don't scour the, the pages of Bottle Mayhem to try to find someone who has a particular look. Um, I haven't yet actually. And I think that that's something that I'm, is going to be a next step um, because I would like to move out of that comfort zone. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a supporter of, always just pushing further and pushing yourself more and out of outside of your comfort zone. Cause I think that really kind of just builds character and builds you into wanting to produce better and wanting to, to just try new things, I think is definitely a good quality to have. Um, so that, that's something that I want to try, you know, and especially, um, more so recently, um, I had a show where, um, it had some of the minups in it and it had an older series um, called Death of the American Homosexual. And in essence, what that was, was um, speaking of equal rights and kind of how America has kind of just like, in essence, killed the gay man, I guess, hmm. or just gay culture, just like by saying, you know, you can't get married or you can't have these rights. So it was deeply metaphorical and everything. But part of it was... Um, it looked like a lot of my models were, were Caucasian and um, someone left a note in my book essentially saying that I had erased race and, and all of that. And, and race is definitely something that I've considered, but part of me has been, been a little fearful to, um, because I'm speaking from, from my own terms and and I'm a, I'm a Caucasian gay male. And, I think part of me is a little fearful to kind of speak for others because I can't say whether it's the same or whether it's different. And, you know, I, I think that there are going to be judgments any, in any direction that you go in. But I think that that's definitely been a, a fear for me is to pretend like I know what I'm saying about someone else when I don't necessarily know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely does. And, and I think that, um, that's a that's a concern that not enough white artists take into consideration, especially in the film industry. Mm-hmm. There's um an awful lot of tokenism where it's like, well, we just needed some more diversity, so we'll just make <laughs> this character black, and this one will be Asian, and it doesn't influence their character at all. <laughs> so Power Rangers, so Captain Planet. Oh, <laughs> but it sounds like a lot of your your shoots are very very um organized you have a lot of control over what is in the image like you have the idea in your head and then you want it to match up with that so the the person that you pick like how much of it is them contributing versus like just actualizing your image i think that 
I I'm very controlling in terms of all of that, but I'm I think I've generally been pretty open, but I think I've also gotten a lot better at being open and kind of um open to improv because I've just had some really captured some really great moments just by um, I mean, some of the men-ups I was kind of a little more fluid with. And I was like, well, these are the positions I was thinking that you might be in. But here's some other ones. And if you're up to trying them, then more power to you. Let's do it. Um, and there's one in particular, the yellow one. Like, he's modeled for me before. And he's, like, amazing. He comes on set and he's just like, work, work, work. And he had four photos at the very end that I didn't know which one to use because they were all so good. I've definitely let in a little more improv or let in a little more input, like ideas or just like asking them, like if they would do this or if they think it's a good idea, if they would do this. So I've definitely kind of relinquished my control just a little bit. So So here's here's another question I love to ask photographers is how much of the images that you put forward are things that are just things that you want to have happen in real life because they are like not necessarily fantasies of yours, but just like things that you want to have exist in the world because they are, they are arousing to you, that they are attractive to you. I think that in a certain, in a certain aspect, yes, kind of yes and no. I mean, there's a part of it that's um, specifically with the men ups. It's, it's very, it was a very freeing thing, I think, to just like, set up these other men and have them do this and and especially have them all be on board and and really enjoy doing it so it, it all felt very right and um i also here and there try to think about the minups as being like an alternate history in america like oh i like that <laughs> like minups never happened but minups did happen so this is from an alternate universe i guess um so i do like playing with that idea that that this could be reality i guess also, I mean, just looking at the images, I mean, I think that, you know, all the models are beautiful and I think that they, and they don't look weird to me at all. I mean, I think that some of these graceful poses and everything, you know, they really pulled off. And I think that, that to me, that's something sexy, you know, hey, if you can do it. And and it seems like a lot of people are really positively responding to it and you've got a, a calendar of it coming out, right? Absolutely. It's coming so soon. Yeah. And it's, it's available for pre-order right now. Um, it's going off to the printer this week, and I should have it in a couple weeks, and then they'll be sent out. That's such brilliant timing for this to blow up right now because it's like October. It's like perfect calendar making time. I know, time. I know. <laughs> it worked it's out really well. Just the right time. Thanks for, for not doing it in like February because then we'd, <laughs> we'd all have to wait a really long time for our calendars to make sense because we'd have to be like, man, I'm going to wait like eight months to buy this thing. So we're done. <laughs> So, like, if somebody wants to see your work, uh, where can we direct them? Um, RyanSabian.com. That's R-I-O-N-S-A-B-E-A-N. I have a lot of my work on there, and uh, I sell. I do also sell individual prints, and uh, as well as the calendar. Yeah, I mean that's where my work is. <laughs> awesome. So, and you've and you've got upcoming works that people um, can check out. And are there any galleries or anything people can see like locally? Not right now. Um, I, I'm constantly trying to get my work out there and everything, just, you know, not just on the internet, but um, which is also something really exciting about the Men Up calendar. And I also kind of just like that idea of uh, accessible art. I mean, especially with pinups, it, it's some, it was an art form that was very accessible to the public. 
Brilliant. So congratulations on all your uh, success with this project and kudos. I'm very excited to see your future work because I'm definitely digging the uh, the paradigm through which you, you view the world. I'm liking it a lot. Thank you. Know. you. Well, and thanks for interviewing me. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, thank you to Ryan Sabian, photographer, for this beautiful interview. Thank you much. And uh, <laughs> thank you to everyone for listening and have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to Sex with Timory. Please check out more from sexwithtimory.com, where Monday through Friday there's new content, including polls, weekly sex columns, and Friday sex links. And if you have any questions, comments, or violent reactions, please email them to sexwithtimory at gmail.com. That's S-E-X-W-I-T-H-T-I-M-A-R-E-E at gmail.com. And thank you.